Welcome back, movie people. This is Real Talks, where we talk about movies because it's the thing that matters most right now, right? Obviously not. But to us, we really love them. And if you like movies, you should definitely hit the follow button because it's the polite thing to do at this point. Um, today, we have a really super special thing happening, and I'm going to throw it over to David. And he's going to tell us about this super duper cool guest that we have right now. David? So, hello everybody. Uh, thank you for joining us. Um, our special guest today hails from Boston, Massachusetts. Fresh out of high school, he attended Boston University where he graduated with a Bachelor of Science degree in Ooh. Film, Cinema, and Video Studies. In 1996, he made the transition out here to Los Angeles, and only a few short years later, he began working at Lionsgate Studio as a Vice President of Marketing and Exhibition Relations. From there, he went on to work at Technicolor for several years, where he was a liaison to all of the major movie studios, including AMC, Cinemark, and Regal. Several years passed before, before he went to work for MoviePass. After many hard years, he took some time for himself before returning in 2018 for Market Force Information, where he held many jobs and responsibilities, including providing studios with analytics of movie trailers, Oh. And supplying them with the promotional materials. Today, he's an official member and contributor of the HCA or the Hollywood Critics Association, where he is the co-host of the weekly program Trending in Hollywood, and can founded the Cinescope.com, which can be found on YouTube with all of his movie reviews. And I believe I could be wrong, but he's done the two most recent ones, which we'll talk about a little later. And is a verified HCA site. I have yeah. I have the pleasure here of welcoming Dimitri Panos. Yes. Well, I'm very flattered. I thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Um, I'm very flattered. It's uh, yeah, I've done some things, <laughs> and yeah. and I can Just announce here too that I'm an I'm, I'm well, thank you. I'm uh, I'm an official board member. Of the Hollywood Critics Association. That just happened recently. So uh, I'm very excited. Uh, I can plug the HCA where we're getting ready to do our... We're going to have two uh, television award shows. We're going to do a network uh, broadcast like cable. And then we're going to do one for streaming. Oh, And you just celebrated the birthday. And I just celebrated a birthday uh, last, last month. month, at the end of last month. Uh -huh. Thank you. Birthday. Yep. So happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. So, so it's a pleasure um, to be here. It's always, uh, it's always flattering to be asked uh, to, to come on board and do a podcast. And I do love talking about movies. I know you folks love talking about movies. So I'm very flattered to be here. Thank you very much. I got to ask, and it's just, yeah. I mean, so many questions I have, but like, where did, first of all, I, I'm from Boston myself, so we have that yeah. in common immediately. Um, where did this love of movies come from? Oh, it happened, uh, it happened, at, uh, I was like five, and uh, I, I'm from Peabody, to be specific okay. about Boston, which is about 20 miles north of Boston, it's considered the North Shore. And uh, I had a general cinemas um, not but a mile away from where I lived. Nice. Um, and it was a general cinemas that was a, back in the day, general cinemas, they used to be movie theaters and bowling alleys. So, Remember that. Um, we had around five. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah. So there, there was, so this particular theater 
um, they had, well, they ended up having three screens, and on the other side of the screens was a, a relatively, a, there was a wall, and there were bowling alleys. So, so um, could you, just you could go to the movies the- and then go bowl. <laughs> Could you no, you couldn't bowling? hear you no, you couldn't hear the bowling, but uh, okay. Uh so, but uh when Earthquake, the movie Earthquake came out, okay, the okay. Uh, the movie introduced moviegoers to a brand new sound experience called Sensor Round. Um so and basically what it was is they took and this was a universal thing, always innovating sound. They had these four mega speakers that went from floor to ceiling uh, and they put them in the four corners of the theater. Okay. okay. And there was a special soundtrack. Basically, they were big. They they were it was heavy on bass and there was a special soundtrack. So when the earthquake hit, it would trigger the speakers and give you a rumbly in the tumbly, literally. Oh my god! Um, yeah, so it was called Earthquake. Uh, the movie was called Earthquake. The sound system was called Sensorround. They did it for the Battle of Midway. They did it for when they released Battlestar Galactica, which was oh, big, uh, a huge television show. But then yeah. they took the pilot, turned it into a theatrical movie, uh, and then they had it for another movie called. Uh, it was a suspense thriller with George, I believe it was George Siegel called Roller Coaster which introduced audiences to Helen Hunt, a very young Ooh, Helen Hunt. We love um, Yeah, and, and so those were the movies that I can recall. There might have been one more, but those are the ones that I can recall. So, whereas you couldn't hear the pins and the bowling taking place, um, the, the alleys, or the alley or alleys, the bowling alleys that were behind the earthquakes screen, um, the sense around, uh, they had to shut those alleys down temporarily because oh. the sense around was knocking down the pins oh. before people were throwing oh, no. the ball. Okay. So my it's, question is yeah. this, did the sense around yeah. blow your mind? Was this like the thing um, that- Well, yeah. I mean, but we have sense around now in our home theater systems, basically, right, if you have like then... a decent home theater system and now, um, now that sound has become what it is, like if you go to a Dolby theater, like you, you feel like THX, mm-hmm. you feel that in your stomach. So, yes, as a kid, I had to go see Earthquake, not just because it was a disaster film, but because of Sense Around. So I went to anything where there was a gimmick. Yes. So uh, just because. So but going back to your question, so this particular general cinemas, my love movie started at around five years old when I was my mom took me to a it was a re-release of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Uh And I had never been to a movie before and I haven't seen it. I hadn't seen anything at that scale. And once I had seen Snow White, I was I was forever hooked and going to the movies and I grew up on a steady diet of the Disney uh, live action and re-release of their animated films because this was back in the 70s um, where as a kid it seemed that Disney was releasing one of these movies like every other week. So oh. if it wasn't Herbie the Love Bug, if it wasn't Herbie Rides Again, it was Gus. If it wasn't Gus, it was the Apple Dumpling Gang. If it wasn't the Apple Dumpling Gang, it was No Deposit, No Return or Escape from Witch Mountain. Oh, love so I was that going one. to all these movies. 
Yeah. yeah. Oh, so so these are all the movies. Like, Bed knobs and broomsticks. Yes. All of these movies. I was growing up with Pete's Dragon. Oh, oh my God! So, Pete's Dragon. and then it was in 1975 where uh, I kind of put my my big boy movie pants on, and I graduated from like the Disney films that I'd been watching, and uh, I, I went to this little film. Um, a little film that was actually filmed in New England. It was filmed uh, in Massachusetts. It was filmed in Martha's Cape Vineyard. Cod, I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it was, it was actually it filmed was, in Cape Cod. And I it was, know it was exactly Martha's what you're talking about. It was, it was filmed, yep, it was filmed in Martha's Vineyard. Uh, and uh, I was nine years old. And I was really into sharks at the time. And the movie yes! was Jaws. This is what I thought and, it was um, going to be. That's one of my and favorite that was so, the movie that got me, like, even though it scared the the crap out of me, uh, I I wouldn't even go swimming in a pool. Um, I got and that's how I I started my love of horror. Um, so uh, and it's hilarious because Jaws was what started it for me, but a completely like different generation was like my parents were watching it and all us kids were watching it and we would watch it every like twice or three times a year with our like cousins. It was like a tradition. I never got sick of it to this day. It's in like easily my top 10. I love it. So a yeah. couple of things. Um, number yeah. one, I just saw, and I had never seen this before. I yeah. just was introduced to something called Screen X the other night. Oh, oh yeah, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had been to this mm-hmm. theater for years and years and years and years. And I went to go see Elvis. And by the way, that Elvis spoiler cast will be coming out this weekend. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, and the movie, we actually did do a Steven Spielberg podcast. If you want to go back and listen to that, we list our sure. top ten. Um, but, yeah, so Screen X, I thought it was amazing. I went, oh, my God, it's, this, this is awesome. Why have I seen you know, it before? It's so, funny. We talked about we talked about Screen X uh, on Trending. Uh, I think we talked about it last week or the week before. Um, yeah, it's starting to seep into the the movie going zeitgeist in a sense. Um, oh. I saw it years ago um, uh, when I was at a, uh, a show East, which is a trade show, an exhibition trade show, and they uh, Warner Brothers um, showcased Aquaman in Screen X, and it, it's it's a pretty decent. It's not bad. It, it's pretty decent. It's a pretty decent, fun way to see a movie. I mean, I don't know how Elvis translates other than the concert footage. Um, I know Scott tried to see it. Scott Menzel, he's the co-founder of the Hollywood Critics Association and the, the lead host to uh, Trending in Hollywood. Um, when we were talking about Screen X, he saw Top Gun, which must have looked fairly decent. Oh. So, so I have to ask because yeah. I'm in Alaska yeah. and we get everything the very sure. last ever. What is this? Okay. That about? <laughs> um, okay. So Screen X is um, just add it to the list of it's it's a premium. I guess you could call it what what they call a PLF, which is premium large format. But what it does is it utilizes so they so you have your screen in front of you, right? But then it curves through uh, like half it curves on the walls it's it's almost like a cheat on cinescope or what the uh, um the cinerama dome would do so it, it's, it's kind of a cheat like that 
and it immerses you in the movie and it's actually relatively seamless like the walls of the theater becomes movie screens Whoa. It, like, it's, like it's, it's about 270 degrees yeah so if you can imagine you you go to a theater you look at the screen whether it's premium you know imax or whether it's just regular whatever it is 2d and so and he's exactly right so what screen x does it surrounds 270 degrees of you that's so crazy. you're not only looking at the screen but it's also being but you feel like you're in walls. Yes. Yeah. It, that's, it, it, that's pretty cool. It, it's like, uh, yeah, it's it's like doing that Cinerama Dome, cine, like that, that Cinescope kind of feel, mm-hmm. but it, it's kind of a cheat. But it's weird because if you don't know about it, you're not looking for it, it's really seamless. And, yeah. and like the movies, like some of those movies that are filmed in IMAX where certain scenes are filmed in IMAX, right? So the scene that's in IMAX fills the entire screen from floor to from floor to ceiling. These scenes will come out to the walls. So wow. I can only guess yeah. that if it's Elvis and you can you can say that like the concerts will be like fill up the walls. But then when it goes back to the narrative of the movie, it just then it goes back to the screen. Oh, again, right? that's, and that's, and that's, that's exactly that's, what happened. That's kind of nice so that it's not like the whole time. It just like yeah. does, it's not the whole time. It does its yeah, thing. So. Okay, sorry. Anyways, thank you for explaining it to me. No, no. I mean, <laughs> I, I I could only imagine that something like uh, Top Gun would look oh, amazing, amazing, and something yeah. like that. Yeah. You know, and my 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 favorite theater is out here. Well, actually, across the country are the AMC Dolby. Like, I love oh, okay, the Dolby yeah. experience. Do you have Dolby in Alaska yet? Like. I feel like we do, but I need to like I need to check on that because they keep like upgrading things as they go, and then ever since yes. COVID, that kind of stalled. Right. Obviously, the thing that I want to experience for real is the thing that I saw one time in LA. I think when I was going to go see a movie, and it's the the your seat, like oh moves. yeah, I've yeah I can't a thing I can't do that. No? It is a thing. It's called D box, um, and yes, your enough? seat moves. <laughs> Um, I don't, okay, no offense to anybody at D-Box, and, and if you're trying yeah. to sell it, please forgive me, I, I don't personally like it. Okay. Only because it takes me out, it literally takes me out of the movie. Oh, you know so, right. I could see I that. mean, because the thing does, like, the, the thing moves you. It, it yeah. moves you, it shakes you, and then it spits at you. And by spit, like, like sometimes, like, it'll, like, if they're go if somebody's driving, they go through water, you get missed. What? So it's like being, yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's a Universal yeah, so, Studios ride is what this is. That's exact, except it's like, you know, if you're at a movie like Jurassic World, that's like two and a half hours of that. Because it doesn't let up. I and, would not like, and, okay, thank you for telling me. Because I'm not going to Yeah, I, and again, I got nothing against, look, anything. I and, and I do mean anything that gets people to go to a movie. Yeah. Uh, I'm all for so, so D box, like I love you for what you do because a lot of people do love that experience. I lose half my popcorn, so for me, it's not that. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that much fun. It's I and there's a reason why I would get frightened, and then I would like, you know, that would be me. I would get yeah. frightened so, and spill everything. There's a reason why the popcorn is so uh, expensive. But if you want to go back and listen to the Jeff Bacon interview, 
on what the tactics he used, and he used to work at Regal, and he can tell you all about those. So um, they tried to do it for in home, you know. Yeah, I I have some Blu-rays. Yeah, they tried to do it. uh, They tried to get it so that people would buy a D-box movie theater seat for their home. And I have some Blu-rays off the top of my head. I can't recall which ones are in D-box, but I'm like, no. No, yeah. no, I still yes, love yeah. my 3D. No, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no thanks. We're good. No, I don't need that. I don't need that in my own. <laughs> yeah, I don't want that. So, that. yeah. So, Dimitri is actually joining yeah. us for the roundup today. And, yes. um, so actually, since we brought up the movie of Jaws, I yes. think we should begin with uh, it's only fitting we should begin with this story that just came out of. Um, uh, I mean, it's been in a few trades, and basically, um, the legendary John Williams, mm. after, what is it, 50, 60 years in the... It's like 100 the, years. Yeah. I mean, in Maybe. fact... It's been so, in fact, 100 years. Yeah, it should yeah. Be. He's 90. Uh, so he's thinking about retiring. So this really comes... This, so this comes out of Joe Blow. Uh, legendary composer John Williams is thinking about hanging up his baton. After decades of creating some of the most memorable music in Hollywood, Williams needs no introduction, but if you're still unfamiliar, you've been living under a rock for all these years. <laughs> He's an Oscar-winning composer behind Jaws, Star Wars, Superman, which I didn't know he did. Oh, yeah. Uh, Saving Private Ryan and many more. Yeah. But you, you're, you're also forgetting he also did the Towering Inferno. I believe yes. he did the Poseidon Adventure. Yeah. Many um, more. And he did he, he did a lot of uh, television. I think he did some Twilight Zones. Oh, yeah. Um, so, so he yeah, hinted yeah, yeah. at retiring. He's been around for a while. Yeah, he hinted at retiring from film, not music, though. At the music at the moment, I'm working on Indiana Jones Five, which with which Harrison Ford, who's a bit younger than I am, I think Ford is like 77. Yeah. So I th- I think that he's announced that this is going to be last his last film. Wow. So I thought Harrison can do it, then perhaps I can too. You know, At 90, Williams thinks the commitment required for the blockbusters is a bit much. At this point in life, it's a long commitment for me. However, he won't kill the music entirely. I don't want to seem categorically, categorically like I'm eliminating any activity. So, yeah, that, that's a... Um, not tragedy. Tragedy is not the right word, but it just it's just amazing how many years... I mean, I'm 46, and I remember Star Wars going to the theater when I was two years old. And it's mm-hmm. just, he was even doing it before that. You guys were talking about Jaws earlier. Yeah. So, he's, well, it's so just... I just feel like he, yeah, that, well, we were saying off, you know, not not while we were recording, though, that John Williams is, like, the godfather of composers. And some and a composer friend of mine who works on movies and shows said that he's, like, the bridge between generations, which I think is oh, really absolutely. a good way of putting it. Um, and I just devastated honestly he was the soundtrack of my life like movies have been my life i since i was a child have been watching movies and he has been like the most memorable composer so so which one do you think of all of the iconic ones i mean oh. this is just like Spielberg with the with the movies but if you had to choose one or two of his themes which couple do you think he would choose like right off the top the Luke or not sorry the Han and Leia theme. Okay, a song or a soundtrack. Well, because it's just for, either or. 
I mean, for me, it, it, for me, it's four. Yeah. Um, it's obviously Jaws. Yeah. Uh, and then and then he went to to Close Encounters, oh. right? And then he did same year um, Star Wars, right? And then of course there's Jurassic Park. Yeah. So everything. And everything's iconic. There are. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, there he's probably the most recognizable composer, and at the same time, I would say, like, and, and I'm talking movie score. I'm not talking like a Rodgers and Hammerstein. I'm not talking like right. the people who wrote like for West Side Story. I'm not talking right. musicals. But his, <clears throat> again, growing up, um, his score, his soundtrack actually would get radio play. So yeah. the Jaws theme got radio play in wow. 1975, as did Close Encounters, as did Star Wars. Um, and and his albums would like and out like they sold and they they charted. I mean, his stuff actually charted. Yeah. And I think and I think the last time a John Williams uh, composition charted might have been with Duel of the Fates. Um, with 1999, the Phantom yeah. I think that might have been the last yeah. time, you know, that 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 an orchestration, that a movie score, might have charted. But you know, and again, I get it. The 70s, a lot of music was hitting the charts uh, from television yeah. shows, but his actually, his albums charted, uh, whether it be Jaws, whether it be Close Encounters, especially Star Wars. Um, I remember Star Wars was a double gated album and. Um, there's not, look, growing up in Boston, I was very fortunate because you probably remember, um, we have, uh, Boston has their Boston pops, right? And yes. there was a, there was a composer who was legendary in Boston. His name was Arthur Fiedler, who kind of looked like uh, an Einstein with a baton, right? <laughs> and this Arthur Fiedler guy, he was so beloved. I mean, so beloved. And when he hung up his baton, they didn't know who, where to go to, and somebody came up with the idea to to ask John Williams to to take over, and he did. Whoa. And so I had John Williams playing in the Boston Pops, so I got to see John Williams oh, like off relatively often because you know, and and he still had time, and he played for the Boston Pops. In fact, it, he utilized them. On some of his albums of movie scores, oh, like so which, like, can you think of one off the top of your head? That yeah, like 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 Home Alone is a great yeah. one. Oh, there was a there there was actually an anthology that came out not too, not, I think it was within the past decade, in which he released he and Steven Spielberg released um just it, it was it's it, it's like a box set of all the scores that they had collaborated on. Oh, and wow. most, if not all, or I should say a majority, if not all of them are done by the Boston Pops. I mean, he had a great, and again, a lot of people kind of poo-pooed the idea. And, and, and like, you have to think, bef a lot of people were poo-pooing on Spielberg at the time. Because, oh, I mean, Spielberg, it was a big transition. We were going for from studio run things and there was a lot of creativity and people blamed Spielberg for the downfall of cinema at the time. 
because he was he, he was making so much money. His movies were commercial, and then yeah. John Williams was commercial. So there was a little bit of like hoity toitiness going on. But once he came into Boston, he just embraced the city. And as a movie lover, how can you not like? How could you not be taken by his score? And then they always did a Christmas show in Boston, and he did the soundtrack to Home Alone. Oh, and so, he, of course, so cool. he would play the Home Alone soundtrack. Yes. So it's hard for me to take John Williams out of Boston. Like, I've seen him at the Hollywood Bowl a few times, but it, it was never anything like watching him in my hometown because I was I was psyched to get him. You're I didn't so care lucky. what people You're said. so lucky. You're so lucky. Um, it was great. I, love I think that it's one of those things where he's made so many iconic themes and scores. You really can't pick no. one or two. Um, I mean, just for me, the Imperial March. I mean, you know, it's just like every time you hear that music, you know yeah. who's coming on no. screen. Yeah. And every time you hear Jaws' theme, it's like, okay, you know the shark is coming. Yep. Every time you hear Indiana Jones' theme, you know he's going to be riding or he's, there's going to be some action with Indy. He's, he's running. And it's so, <laughs> I, I, yeah. yeah. And it's so it's one of those things where those three in particular are just amazing. Correct me if I'm wrong. And I could yeah. did he do Schindler's List? He did, yeah. No, yeah, uh, and I mean, I that, working... that in itself, so that just shows you the dichotomy in yeah. the... Right. The range the man has. He could go from action adventure to sci fi yeah. Star Wars to a dramatic. Yeah, well, mellow. he always did. I mean, he did Color Purple. Yeah. Uh, Which, did, by the way, they'll um, be making again. Amistad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. He did, yeah. I mean, he did a lot. Yeah. I mean, he did pretty much most of all the Spielbergs, right? Yeah. So, yeah. What was great he about did, Schindler's oh, List is it was released in the same year. So at that time, I was working for Universal Studios uh, in Boston. They had a branch office. And that year, we were fortunate to get Jurassic Park and Schindler's List. So yeah. w while he was, uh, he was filming Schindler's List and editing Jurassic Park, oh. like he was doing double duty. He said he'd probably never do that again. <laughs> but, I mean, Williams... The thing that that's very striking about Williams and not many composers, I can off the top of my head, I can name like two composers who take a page out of his book. But what makes Williams to me anyways, what makes him fantastic is he does suites. So you talk about the Imperial March, right? Um, when you look at Star Wars, Luke Skywalker has a theme. Yoda has a theme. Princess Leia has a theme. They're all and individuals. It, you, they're, they're all, all individual, individual but themes. He, but he does that throughout his career. So in Jaws, like Brody has his theme. Mm -hmm. Close Encounters, they have their like they have themes, and they're only John Ottman is one. Uh, and I've interviewed John Ottman, and and of course everybody reveres uh, John Williams, but he can come up with themes. Uh, you know, the heir apparent, and, and he's like the hardest working composer in Hollywood right now, uh, Michael Giankino also incorporates themes uh, or suites into uh, his music so that when a character comes on screen, you can identify it with a music cue, which growing up, like, 
when I heard Princess Leia's theme, I, I didn't have to be watching the movie. It was playing yeah. in my head, and I knew exactly who that image was going to be. And he did that pretty much throughout his career. Uh, and it's amazing. I wish, you know, not a lot of people do that today. Uh, but that, to me, is made... Like, when you watch a movie like Jurassic Park, when when they, you know, when 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 our scientists first come to Jurassic Park and they see, like, the, what is it, the Brachiosaurus for the first time, that theme was written for them. Like, you know exactly yes. what you're watching. Yeah. And you don't even have to, like, if you watch the movie as many times as I have, you, you could just be listening to the soundtrack and you know exactly the scene and you know exactly what dinosaurs are there. Exactly. That was the genius of uh, John Williams. Yeah. So... so. But speaking of Star Wars, and yes. this, I saw this the other day too, and this kind of literally blew my mind. So <laughs> everybody, everybody that's that has seen the movie, obviously, in 1977 they had this famous scene with a X-wing fighter. Well, this model, and it was a model, I believe it was made. The whole movie was made for almost five million dollars. But regardless, this actually was auctioned off. This this model. And it fetched how, how big? two points. It's I, I don't know the exact size of it. I would say but, I mean I can't. My camera's not going to. It, it was it was it was. I, it, it was it's about, about the. Su- it's a little bit sh- smaller than my dining room table. Yeah, oh, not by okay, much. So I mean, right. they, it was so it was it at a time. Big. No. So yeah, it sold for two point three million dollars at auction. Wow. So this comes from the Hollywood Reporter. Yes. Staying on target, a Star Wars X-Wing fighter model used in George Lucas's 1977 sci-fi epic fetched an astonishing $2.3 million at auction, according to Prop Studio Auction. The screen-matched red leader X-Wing miniature model created by LMM, ILM, ILM. Industrial mm-hmm. Light Magic, was estimated to go between a half a million to a million dollars, which, by the way, is a pretty penny in itself. The final price was $2.375 million, according to the auction house. Wow. The, X-Wing, the X-Wing model was used in A New Hope for Red X-Wing Squadron leader Garvin Drates, played by the late mm-hmm. Drew Henley. The model is extraordinarily rare, as most were destroyed by pyrotechnics while filming the oh, right. battle scene at the Death Star. The model screen matches a specific pyro shot of an explosion going off uh, in his engine. So it goes back and it says several behind-the-scenes photos taken in ILM exist that show the model extremely well. Every scratch and airbrush and the paintwork can be matched up with those from 1976. That's so cool. That's, that just shows you the reach. That movie is well, what? But I have to old? say, I mean... Two point, what was it again? Two point three 2. and change. All right, two point three and change million, right? Which is, you know, you yeah, know, sure. I'll, I'll buy one for every day of the week. Yeah, but, you know, w- w- the sad thing about that is there, there are stupid NFTs that have sold for more. I know, and that doesn't even exist. So, I mean, this is a this is an X wing model, and I'm surprised it didn't go kinda, for more. Same here. To be honest, yeah. I mean, yeah. being that it's verified as being legit, 
being that it is extraordinarily rare. I mean, I, I saw the pictures, the ones that yeah. you got the article from, and they're great pictures. Yeah. And, and again, when you watch movies like Star Wars, where ILM was born, and people like John Dykstra, and, and they used actual models, and they, I mean, they were having so much fun building them, but they were also blowing them up. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> funny that... But we had model makers, and to me, that art of making, of, of, of using tangible models, yeah, it just lent something that it they seemed, like I said, tangible. There's, no matter how good digital technology is today, it, it's just the lighting that you really can't quite replicate than you can with a model so when the star destroyer in star wars flies overhead like that was a model you know and and i go back to star trek you know the original enterprise was huge i mean huge and they had christmas christmas lights in the nacelles and it was a model and they would move the camera in and swipe it back to to, and then they would put it into the shot, and it's just crazy when you think about. Uh, we talk about Jaws, you know. The, the Jaws was a, a mechanical model yes. shark, and it, they had seven of those. That would like yeah, that would seven of those great, because right? the story was that it kept breaking down. Yeah, and so they, when one broke, they had a team to go repair it, and they just mm-hmm. brought another one in. And then yeah. they used that one. And when that one broke, and they just had a rotating, they had crews. And I think what also this tells you is production design, right? Like yeah. production design, it, we don't, we take for granted, yeah. you know, what's in front of the screen. But the, yeah. the people that are these carpenters and electricians and plumbers. And well, they they actually had well, monster they, sets. Well, there was the sets, but. Specifically, they had model makers making these ships. Right, they're right, literal right. model but makers. Yeah, it's and, just unbelievable. And the it really is when you think about it. And you know, back in Star Wars, what was really huge then to learn about was like Ralph McQuarrie. Ralph McQuarrie was a um, he was a as he was a storyboard artist. He was a concept artist who worked very closely with Steven Spielberg to get concepts down, whether it would be R2-D2, C-3PO, the ships, Darth Vader. Um, I have a Ralph McQuarrie Darth Vader um, maquette that, you know, it shows one of the earlier concepts. And I always love those early concepts and how they, how, how they develop and how we get the final things. And the way that Star Wars looks with with using the x-wings the millennium falcon the star you know the, the the star destroyers there really isn't anything like it and when you talk about production design on star wars we had never seen anything like that before like the closest that i can think of special effects wise at the time was like 2001 for, for you know for a science fiction kind of a movie right and then star wars changed everything and then we talked about Superman, you know, the, the special effects in Superman, again, there were things that were never done. In fact, Superman said, you will believe a man can fly because up to that point, it was like, you could tell that. Yeah. You, you never had fly. that before. Right. No. And here's, and here's the thing. 
So the two things I, I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah. So all of the production design, well, production design, when you were talking about the iterations of how every character was, the one I can think of off the top of my heart, top of my head is Bane's mask in The Dark Knight Rises. So mm-hmm. if you actually watch the, behind, the BTS, the behind the scenes, and you yeah. see what iterations of the mask they had, and some of them were like Darth Vader. And yeah. some of them were like this, and some of them were like, they're like, okay, what is going to be the most menacing? And this is what they came up with. And Mike, I mean, obviously, his physique and it, my God, Tom Hardy, because he had to use his eyes to act. Right. Yeah. And so that, and his, his voice, emotion, and his voice just, inflection. and you could tell the fear. And it was like, I don't want to fuck this guy. <laughs> so, right. you know, and the other thing, too, is I, I think that ILM is kind of, I don't want to say underrated. But it really is, because if we don't get ILM, if we don't get Star Wars in 1977 and ILM, we don't have hundreds, and I mean hundreds, whether it's a Jurassic Park, whether it's an Avengers, whether it's any big Marvel movie, whether it's any big whatever it is, because you know what? The special effects are done by ILM. Yeah, I mean... And they've only gotten better and better and better and better and they will yeah and ilm worked on a lot of the spielberg produced movies and spielberg movies themselves back to the future poltergeist raiders yeah. of the indiana jones movies just to poltergeist. say poltergeist um, yes yeah so that had some great special effects so i don't think i know i i don't uh, you know, I, I don't think ILM is underrated. They sure have enough Academy Awards. Yeah, no, I think uh, underrated you know, is not the right you word, know, but you, right. yeah, but not they, appreciate. You know, appreciate. They, the they, they, the they've been they, they they've been a staple since since Star Wars, and they've provided whether it's model making to digital photography, ILM. I mean, they sold Spielberg on. Jurassic Park, some computer programmers. Mm-hmm. So, and again, though, when you watch Jurassic Park, you know, Spielberg still did use the practical, you know, the T Rex a lot. You know, he was in has like the foot and everything go, a lot of it was practical. So, yeah. and then there was obviously the digital that, that, that looked great. But, you know, ILM has done, you know, ILM, THX. These are all Lucas, you know, developments. Yeah. Uh, Spielberg developed digital theater sound. So the innovations. Yeah. And that just tells you something about like Top Gun, right? Because they could have, they could have done all that stuff there with CGI. They really could have. And they had, they went through all of the training. And by the way, if you want to go back and listen to the spoiler cast I did for Top Gun Maverick. But, you know, basically all of that was practical. And yeah. that was what was so mind blowing. The, the actors were—I mean, you knew Tom Cruise could do. I mean, he's next to being a superhero without a cape. But I mean, everybody else didn't have any experience. They started out in Cessnas, and next thing you know, they're playing. Yeah, and, and they're playing Hornets themselves. And so they had yeah. to go through cinematography and lighting and and what's going on. Now, mind you, the technology was there, so they had five or six cameras filming at sure. one time and so you know they were taught all this stuff but yeah absolutely it, and that goes actually all the way back to top gun too that yeah. was one of tom cruise's oops 
Yeah. So. Oh no. Yeah. No. So, it's it's one of those things where it's just the yeah. technology because, is just amazing. Because Tom Cruise back, uh, you know, back in Top Gun when he when he agreed to do it, he had some caveats mm -hmm. uh, in his contract, and one of them was, um, you know, he wanted to do Top Gun as kind of an homage. His his dad was a pilot. And he said to uh, Bruckheimer, uh, Don Simpson and Bruckheimer, um, he said, look, I'll do the movie, but I got to be in the cockpit. And they're like, what? He's like, nope, I, I'm yeah. going to be in the cockpit. Or, oh, and I also want to be in your marketing meetings. Mm. They're like, marketing meetings? He goes, yeah. He goes, I want to learn the business. And the only way to learn the business is to be there practically. I want to know what goes on in these things. He goes, I'll be quiet. He goes, but I just want to learn what happens. Yeah. But first fly and foremost, he said, I got to be, a he goes, I have to fly. So Simpson and Bruckheimer and Paramount, so nice. they, they, they relented. And, uh, and, and, he's, and, and he, if you have the Blu-ray, I think it's the, it's one of the recent anniversaries for Top Gun. They have a great making of, yeah. which they don't do so much anymore on, on, on discs, but. This one reminds me of that. And he goes, yeah, I was 21 years old. And he goes, and I couldn't believe. He goes, yeah, I just came in with a list of demands. And they said, okay. And so he said, yeah. So, well, and, I mean, that, it worked. <laughs> it no, worked? Well, you know, but, and I think that was the movie. I mean, he had done, and by the way, he did a little movie that year too that nobody talked about, The Color of Money, mm -hmm. with Paul Newman. Oh, right? yeah, I mean, I remember. Sesame. Yeah. And it's like nobody ever talks about that in 1986, and it's all about Top Gun. But that literally and figuratively took his career to the next level. Oh, and yeah. then, of course, oh, yeah. you know, you look again. I mean, he does all these other films, but then, of course, in 1995, and you know, he does the first Mission Impossible movie, mm -hmm. yep. and that. I mean, we're talking about the seventh movie coming out next year. I'm so okay? excited. In Decorating Part 1. And, you know, I've said this before and I'll say it again. Had that been any other person that had gone on that tirade and that was leaked, they'd have been kicked yeah. off the project. But, yeah, but here's but, the big but. But you, but you say it's a tirade. What well, was no, the tirade? Well, okay, maybe, okay, what, tirade what wasn't the, the right like, word. I, I can't figure out, like, I still, to the light, like, look, Scientology aside, look, he, he lives, and I've been, I've been in his presence. He does have a bubble around him. He's not living like a lot of other people are, okay, or do. But when you look at the grand scheme of things, the thing that almost torpedoed, well, that almost, that nearly torpedoed his career was he was jumping on a couch. Yeah. Expressing yeah. his love for the woman that he loved. That's all he 1994. did. 1994. No, yeah, that's and all that's... he did. When you look at what actors and stuff do today. Yeah, no, still, you're right. You know. I mean, I mean, all you do is take a look at Ezra Miller. That, that's Ezra <laughs> Miller. I mean, Chris Rock got slapped. <laughs> yeah. Chris I, okay, Rock got Tyree, slapped on national TV. I know. Tyree I mean, was all... the wrong word. I yeah, I mean, all word. he did was jump up on a couch saying, I love this woman. But and the, I'm like, that's going to kill his career? I was like, okay, that's kind of silly. <laughs> so yeah. much. Nobody yeah, cares. so much. Nobody cares anymore <laughs> but, if you jump on a couch. I, okay, it's so Tyree wasn't the right. But the point is that I think if it had been any other actor, yeah. this is just a personal opinion. I think if it had been any other actor, there would have been some 
backlash. The fact the is backlash. that he had, he, he had mean, some he, money. I, I he had personal so. money invested in the movie. No, I don't he, think so. I, I'm telling. No, but he that one jumping on the couch, go that nearly torpedoed his career. Really, I didn't yes. know that. So I just yes. learned something he was, today. He was box. He turned into for a little bit box office poison. Yeah. Okay. So like, then, question that then. tirade, like it, it was just the stupidest thing. Yeah. Okay. The so question thing. then: When did he go from almost losing his career during that moment? When do you think then he turned it around? Mission Impossible. He made it bankable. Okay, so it was Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible was, you know, he, he did. I mean, think about. So if that was in '94, I don't have I don't 95. have his filmography in '95. So I don't have his filmography up. But Mission Impossible. Then Spiel, he worked with Spielberg a couple of times. He did Minority War of the Worlds Report, in '97. I want to say. Yeah, and then he did Minority Report yeah. with Spielberg. Then people started to to go see. People started to come around and 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 like Tom Cruise again. And then he did uh, Mission Impossible Jerry McGuire. Two, Jerry McGuire, which McGuire. you know, which was huge for him. Yeah. And yeah, but but the whole jumping on the couch on Oprah, man, people thought he was nuts. But there was also like a lot of things like going on at the time with him. He had just fired his longtime publicist just before that happened. And I believe he was having his sister handle him and people were blamed. Like people were saying he was doing some bad business decisions and because they're saying like they were painting him to be a nut job. And they were saying that the publicist that he fired kept all of that stuff at bay. Like we never saw it. But then when he got like, they're saying if he had kept that publicist, he would have never jumped on the couch. And I'm like, no. Who cares? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's a coach. Who yeah. cares? No, like, yeah. And, and so, I think yeah. that's when you, we were talking about this off camera. Fandoms, especially DC and Marvel, DC especially has one of the most toxic toxic fandoms in in Hollywood. Oh, and so I think Marvel is, and Star Wars. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll agree with you on that. The point is that I don't think people can just go to a movie. And watch it for what it is, which is an achievement. Whatever, whether you like it or you don't like it. I think. Yeah, go ahead. Finish your thought. No, I was just going to say I think that instead of being able to watch a movie for just what it is, a movie, regardless of what fandom it is, DC, Marvel, Star Wars, whatever, just watch, enjoy the movie, enjoy the achievement that people have have toiled over. And I but think you when also, people you too. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I no, think no, no. That just, I like what you're go ahead. I think because that, I like what you're it, saying. Yeah, I think that people just looked at it for the movie and said, mm-hmm. Okay, we're gonna enjoy this two hours instead of why didn't they do this with this lightsaber and why didn't they do that with that cape? Relax. Well, yeah, I mean there I mean there is that that happens a lot too, but I think a lot of the other toxicity comes from they have to like everything. Yeah. Um I, I have the that effect thing. on women. I saw you I saw you yawning. <laughs> no. So, so um you have to like everything that's Marvel. 
And yeah. heaven forbid they make a bad movie, right? Right. So the way I kind of liken it is this way. I, I love movies. I love Star Trek, right? But, um, you know, I, of all the movies that they've made, I can point out the ones that aren't that good. And, and I'll just tell you, they're not that good. And it's okay for them. To, like, it, they're not that good. Yeah. Um, but with Marvel and even Star Wars, people pretzel themselves. Like, if you don't like a Marvel movie... And you come up like I, I, you can get crucified. Oh yeah, and and just for not liking it, and it's like you know, I hate to tell you, but not every movie, not every Marvel movie can be the best Marvel movie no. ever, especially when you said it about the past five Marvel movies. Like it just it doesn't exist. Like movies can be okay, movies can be very good. Not every one of them is gonna be great. No, and when you talk about Star Wars. So when 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 a movie like Last Jedi comes out and tries to do something a little bit different, a little bit different, but nothing that is everything makes sense in Last Jedi, but people went crazy. It's the same thing with Solo. Like I could never understand the hatred for Solo, Solo. when that movie came out. I love Solo. That. Is it's a it's an excellent movie. Yeah. I mean, I really think it's it's a great space western. I thought it was written by Lawrence great. Kasdan. Yeah. I thought it was great. Yeah, it's it's a really good movie and it really builds that world. And I wanted to see more. Unfortunately, you we're did. not ever going to see Aww. that young solo go to Tatooine where he meets Jabba for the first time. But I remember being in a, uh, I, I was at my local theater here and I was in line waiting to get in. And I had these two schmohawks behind me dissing on Solo. No. And I said, oh, did you see the movie? And they're like, no, nah, hadn't seen it. I go, well, well how, how can you diss on this? How do you know? Oh, well, you know, oh, how he got his name. Oh, I heard how he got his name. That's just stupid. I go, but you didn't see the movie. Yeah. There's no like, context. You don't know like, the context no of how he got context. his name. Yeah, it's like you you didn't see the movie. So how can you diss on something and say that it's stupid? If you didn't even like, see it. When <laughs> you didn't even see it. Like, you don't have a voice. in like. But that's what happens a lot with Star Wars. And then in Marvel, when there's such a love for it, they feel criticism is a dig at them. Yeah. And it's not. I, I could care less if you don't like. If you love it, God bless you. Uh, just don't come attack me for 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 hating it. Like I hated Morbius. Like I didn't like Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Idiocy. Like don't. Like, I, lo I love that though. Not I love every. That. I think it's okay to literally hate. Well, there's a million Marvel movies. Like the first is Captain American was trash. Like, but whatever. Yeah, I, it's. It's okay. You're like I, I'm a James Bond fan. Yes. I will tell you, not every James Bond movie is good. Oh no! You know, I, I can look for, at a View to a them. Kill and say, Yeah, yeah, Roger a View Moore... to a Kill is not really good. Roger Moore was no. Good. Stop with Roger Moore. No, Roger no. live and let good. die. So, so for your own, Sean Connery ever wrote yeah, Jones. Yeah. <laughs> Great so Jones. okay, I mean, who's, who's yeah. stunning? So, and, but that, but see, that's the thing, though, and this is where I say film is always subjective. Yes, always. Absolutely. And while you may like something, I may have a complete different reaction. 
And while she may like something, I may have a completely different reaction. Correct. And while I like something, it's so it's a completely different reaction for every single person. Right. And listen, we can all Monday we can all Monday morning quarterback all we want. <laughs> I could have made a different bet. Okay, fine. But isn't and, that the same though about criticism about anything? No, absolutely. Like I mean, absolutely. like if you go to we can the three of us can go to a restaurant. You could love the meal. You can think it was okay, and I could have hated it. You could go into an art museum. Like it's the same thing, but yeah, film no, criticism absolutely. gets the the most attention, and yeah, and then I think that social true. media really killed it. Oh, so yeah, I grew grew up watching Siskel and Ebert. Okay, yes. On any given yeah. week, now look, I I loved both of them, <laughs> and on any given week, though, I could agree. Sometimes I'd agree with Ebert. I wouldn't agree with Siskel. And then on another movie, oh yeah, I I, I agree in Siskel. I, I, Ebert's being a little bit harsh, but that was the whole rap. Like that's why I loved watching them is yeah. because they, they were. That's where I learned. That's where I learned more or less to start how to start watching movies. And it was okay if I didn't. I didn't have to agree with one critic the entire time no. that's just impossible well you know and the thing is it's funny you mentioned that because i on my youtube feed the other day i was going through my I was scrolling through and they had a um clip of the movie review of goodfellas mm-hmm. now goodfellas is a classic today i mean yeah. sure so anyways i watched the clip and one of them loved it and you know roger loved it and gene thought it was just not trash, but he'd seen it before, and it just mm. and Roger's like, "How can you say that?" Blah blah blah. And the banter, and they, and, and that's what she and I do. And, and, and you know, we try, we want to try and duplicate this for our listeners. Is not not the banter, but our opinions, right? And everybody's opinion is valued, but when it starts to get to a point where it is toxic, we don't want you. And I'm sure you can come no. with this in your spaces. Yeah, I mean. Not I actually, I will say this about our trending in Hollywood crowd. Um, our crowd is actually pretty damn decent, and I've said good. this That's to the good. audience. Love that. Um, I usually end every show saying, "Hey, I really appreciate the audience because for the most part, there's been some idiocy. You can't escape it, but for the most part, everybody is relatively." respectful mm-hmm. and they will relative they'll come up and, and give their own opinions i mean i had it a lot um when people when i was doing a show called anatomy of a movie Ooh. um yeah it, yeah it, it, this was uh for, for it's no longer around it's called the popcorn talk network yeah i mean we would get some comments like, like I hated Rogue One, and I gave, yeah, I, I pretty much gave my my reasonings why, and I believe them even to this day uh, to be indefensible. It's one thing to have an opinion, but when you use pure example, it's hard to it's hard to argue. And I had people just like they didn't even listen to what I said. They but just they went at you personally. Me for my age oh my, my god wait at the time oh 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 yeah. it was yeah. it was it was horrible I mean, that's, that's, it, it, that's it made me laugh them, obviously because it's like oh yes. oh you yeah. have to yeah. Do, yeah. make it personal 
because you're yeah. Not yeah. Sure so, but that. Siskel and Ebert never had to deal with that. No, yeah. they didn't. They never yeah. had to deal they with social, social media. media. Yes. Thing. Well, yeah, no, and, and have, that was the, Twitter. We we're going to move on here in a minute, but I want to yeah, ask you one last please. question: Is yeah, do you think they could have survived in today's environment with social? Oh, media? good question. Um, they wouldn't. Uh, I'll just say this: um, they wouldn't exist today. Yeah. Because they 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 definitely were a product of the time where film criticism actually I hate to say this being a film reviewer but film movie reviewers they don't they don't they don't mean as much today as they used to. Right. Siskel and Ebert and Gene Shalit and even the likes of Rex Reed, uh, Boston native Leonard Malton who's still around, which is like amazing that I get to see him at some screenings. I mean, these people and critics that I knew, like Nat Segaloff or Jay Carr, who wrote for the Boston Globe, um, uh, Paul Veneer, who writes, who's still today to this day, James Veneer, who writes for the Boston Herald. Um, film criticism used to matter. Uh, and even Peter Keogh was a little bit of a, was, was a bit of a mentor of mine. He, he, he wrote for the Boston Phoenix. Um, Film criticism mattered more. It, it, you know, there was the reason why the term critic proof was invented were because of critics like Siskel and Ebert, right? They could have hated a movie, and sometimes their review, their thumbs up or thumbs down, can make or break a movie because people, it yeah. actually mattered. People yes. paid attention to what they said. Yeah. Critic proof was where you could put out a Friday the Thirteenth movie or or some big or an action movie that they would hate, but it would still make money. Yeah, right. Today, and, and I think and we I don't think have not, a Siskel and Ebert of today. Right, and I and I think that you know we we see this with a couple movies. I mean, I just brought this up last week to her. One movie off the top of my head, and I keep going back to this, is Justice League. The critics yeah. absolutely, for the most part. Not all of them. Sure. But for the most part, did not like the movie. But the fans, if you go on it, rotten, you know, some of these sites, it's 75, 80, 85% of the audience enjoyed it. On the flip side of the coin, there's something in another one I can think of that just came out two weeks ago. It's this new mm -hmm. Jurassic Park, this final Jurassic yeah, yeah, Park yeah. movie. Yeah. The critics mm -hmm. just destroyed it. I mean, it, it, I was one of opening. Them. The opening was 33 35%. Social media came into play. Do you think that's because and newspapers it, died, died off? Because well, they, yeah, those I two mean, were a big newspaper-oriented people who picked it up and they read the reviews. And they lived in and, and I, died and, by those reviews. And and I read the reviews from the Boston papers. Yeah. Um, and I watched their, their, their reviews. They were one of the first to actually do, uh, like, they had a television show. So... Today, though, with social media, you know, but they went to journalism school. They yeah. worked for very respectable newspapers. Right. Okay. 
So when Janet Maslin, uh, yeah. yeah, when people write for like the New York Times and stuff, those people went to journalism school. Now, I'm gonna try to make I'm gonna try to make my case in in, in a very diplomatic way, but many of the people, you know, they're they're just getting on Twitter. Yeah, like many people didn't go to school. You know, you know, Scott. Uh, I give Scott a, a, a ton of credit. Look, I went to school for broadcasting and film. And I took a lot of journalism classes. I took a lot of film classes. So Scott actually has a master's degree. And, you know, a lot of people went to school and they're, and I'm not, again, there are, there, there is a faction out there who say didn't, but they're very loud on the cell phone. They're very loud on Twitter. And what's happened is, followers somehow like for whatever reason followers mean something but it really doesn't yeah and now there's so many people and so many shows i know because i'm on one of them i do it every friday but there's so many now where before you know you could only watch Siskel and Ebert once a week. Yeah. Gene Shallot, who was on like the Good Morning America. There was Roman Show, who was out here. Yeah. The Today Show. Right. Yeah, I remember so those days. People would tune in if they were talking about like E.T. or Top Gun or, or the big or Close Encounters or like critics. Movie reviews act like they held a little more heft. Um, I stopped doing print reviews uh, because I just don't. And again, it's sad but a lot of print has gone dead and people don't take the time to read. And I also believe something else has happened. There's been a paradigm shift. Mm. I think that people, when I grew up reading reviews and learning how to do reviews, um, you know, I always try to be as spoiler free as I possibly can when I write a review. Okay. It's just the way it should be. A lot of the reviews I wrote, they would just give a thumbnail sketch of the plot. Yeah. They wouldn't give anything too, too big away. No spoilers. And today, it is about spoilers. And there are so many... Like, people don't read anymore. And, they, and no, to be they honest, glance. They, they scan. They glance. And they, and glance, they, but... they scan, and there's, you know, they'll look at one paragraph, maybe a couple of words and a couple other paragraphs, right. and that's it. And And, and I think people... Go ahead. Yeah, they, you're right. They glance. And, and, and they the they look at is, the headline. I'll be honest with you. And, and this, mark my words, this was not around 15 years ago. I really, mm-hmm. truly believe Marvel had something to do with this. And, you know, people were, I, re, I remember reading and watching stories of how people would spoil Endgame. And Infinity oh, Well, it, and it, it goes, yeah. it goes. were just like, oh my God, you ruined my world. Because yeah, it was, I mean, you know, and it's like, so getting back to your point, it's but they don't, I mean, I remember even on YouTube that Marvel did a little something, Dino says, no spoilers, you know, and it's like, okay. Yeah, I mean, so, that stuff's been around, that stuff's been around for a long time. No, I, I You understand. know, like, whether it's the Sixth Sense, whether yeah. it was Psycho. Right, um, but it was never like as that, prevalent but, as it was, is today. Yet, and and I, I mean think that, that people, is a thing in the dictionary today. Spoiler. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And, and and I think though, I was saying there's a paradigm shift. Like I would always read a review before I watch the movie. Now I think a lot of people 
watch and or read a review after they've seen the movie to see whether or not they agree yeah. with you no, I or disagree the so they can I yell know. at you. Yeah, I, because exactly. I don't want, because I, again, I don't want spoilers. Like I oftentimes don't want to know as much as they put in the trailers now. Like sometimes I'm like, well, yeah. I just watched the movie. Well, I mean, <laughs> it, all you got to do, that's a great point because yeah. all you got to do is look at the last, you know, Dr. Strange, even Kevin Feige came out in, in when he was on the red carpet and he said, look, there was way too much uh, put in these trailers yes. because people didn't want to do it. And that's why I yeah, came but that of... but that trailer lied too. No, yeah, no, that absolutely. trailer uh, sold yeah. a different movie. No, absolutely. Uh, but which... I think, but here's the thing too. And I also said I'd be very curious to see what how they marketed Thor: Love and Thunder because did they reel right. it in, or were they just going to continue with all these other things? For me personally, no it, trailer funny, should I... ever be over two minutes or two minutes and ten. Oh, minutes. Well, that's it. That. That I'm not going to disagree with, and, and I'm a man who's like, I've worked with trailers pretty much most of my entertainment or studio career, but I also come from an era when if you watch the original Close Encounters trailer, the trailer's like five minutes long. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, like, but no, that's because yeah. there was no competition. <laughs> So exactly. it would only be on a Sony movie. So, but I don't disagree about the two minute trailer. Yeah. Uh, I, I really don't. Um, I, I like as as a person like I love trailers. I love trailers. Um, and again, they're an art form. I do too. They 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 can be, um, and some of them are just look. I know it's a marketing tool, but I also know where the cheat is. So well, Doctor Strange was a cheat. Because yeah. it's well, going to do is take a look at Doom. Said... Oh, yeah. I'm going to take a look at yeah. Doom. That trailer that Sony put out was three minutes. Three oh, Warner Brothers. minutes. Wasn't that Warner Brothers? Yeah, Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers. I'm sorry. Thank We're you, doing. Warner Brothers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Three minutes. Yeah. yeah. Really? It's a whole yeah, movie. Yeah, you don't need a three minutes. It's 119 time. minutes. If that's the TRT, yeah. the total running time, and that's including yeah. credits throughout the nine minutes for the, tr- the credits. I agree. You're looking at you 110 need to... minutes. And I've already seen three minutes of the movie. Certain yeah, you need to. You can identify. You need to tell a story. Yeah. You can too. identify by their clothes or what. The, I mean, uh, unless you're watching something I'm, like, you know. But you can <laughs> identify with by the clothes and say, "Okay, I see this. Oh, I know what's going to happen." And it's like absolutely okay, fine. Okay, so yeah. going back to a movie that we talked about briefly, Back to the Future. What's we that? all love Back to the Future. Yeah. Um, sure. Robert Zemeckis, Steven Spielberg. Okay. So is, is Robert Zemeckis said many years ago they he never wanted this to get tainted. Well, or not tainted, right. but all these sequels coming out. So it. Well, guess what? We got a musical coming in twenty twenty three. For what? Back to the Future. Broadway is heading Back to the Future in twenty twenty three with a stage adaptation of the nineteen eighties film. On Wednesday, the Back it, to the Future franchise, the Twitter, released a teaser trailer right. for the show, which slated to be coming up next year. So, essentially, it, it has the little snippet of it, and then it goes on and talks about, if you want to sign up for this, here's a link for first access tickets. And they talk about the um, where it's going to be held. And who the actors and actresses playing Marty McFly. Not everybody Doc needs Brown. to have a musical. We don't have to make everything a musical. Really? No. Like, really? No. No, no, I'm being facetious, but I... Oh, my God. 
No. Yeah, this is I don't what disagree. Back to the Future is turned into. I think what Zemeckis was saying was he, in his lifetime, didn't want to see them reboot it. Yeah, yeah reboot it. Now, you're you're correct about that. I, I misspoke. He didn't, he didn't, I misspoke. Yeah, but he didn't this want, is almost like... And I agree. It's like, what, what do we have to do? I mean, leave well enough alone. Back to, I mean... Yeah. It, I, uh, they're trying to get non-Broadway people to go to Broadway. Yeah. So, okay, I mean, this is actually a perfect segue. Probably. So we just did last, sure. last week or the week before, we talked about, so Joker 2... Yep. Just signed on Lady Gaga, or is about to. Yep. And is going mm-hmm. to be a musical. I am not okay with this. The Joker at made all. a billion dollars. Yes. Um, I'm so upset. Yep. What were you, I mean, why? Okay, so the $64,000 question is this Why right. do you think they would go that route? Um, I actually. Why you go that I'm actually, route? I, I actually. I actually applaud the 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 idea Interesting. because okay. you don't want to just make a sequel. Okay. Look, nobody thought nobody thought that Buffy the Vampire Slayer needed a musical episode, but Joss Whedon did it anyways because he <laughs> he wanted to. So the way I look at the Joker, I, I'm I'm kind of all in on it. Okay. Because there was a lot of hate for the I Joker. I loved it. I, I mean, it. a lot of, no, I did too. And I think we, I think we did. Uh, yeah. You're right. Yeah. Right, yeah. David? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I, we, I, I, we right here. But a lot of people didn't. Um, and I think it's a way to do something different. Yeah. And I just say, why? Like, look, they already proved to me that they can make a good movie. True. Right. That's true. So I don't need another movie that's going to be similar to it. And at least they're trying something different. And now I kind of want to see what, um, who was it? Uh, who, uh, who's the director? Um, Todd Phillips. Todd Phillips. Yeah. I just, yeah. nobody so. thought that he could make a gritty movie like the Joker. Yeah. And now they say, oh, we want to get Lady Gaga. We got Joaquin Phoenix. We want to do something. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to, um, push push the boundaries and we're going to try to make this musical kind of thing and but it'll be a dark gritty musical like i can't imagine I can't, this is not going to be but, the music man but i'm excited to find out i Go mean ahead. like it might be what sweeney todd ish like i know like i don't know well i, I mean think, it could be i think two ahead. things number one yeah. i think it we have to see what the story is because sure. it would, I think all three of us will agree on one thing. If the story is good, even if the actors aren't good, we'll go back and watch it. And number two, I think once the first trailer comes out and we see exactly what they're trying to accomplish, because let's face it, the first trailer is only to get you excited about it. The second trailer is more of, okay, here's what the story is about. And the final trailer is, okay, we want to get you in the door. Mm-hmm. So once we see a first trailer... And say, okay, this is what it's about. Okay. Uh, that's For me, that's going to be the, what it's going to be about. Because if the story's yeah, I mean, good, then it's going to work. But isn't the isn't the scene in Joker where he's dancing oh, down God. the stairs was, sort of kind of like iconic. a dance? Isn't that, well, but it isn't kind it kind of, of a musical it number? It, 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 was. it was. It's very musical. And that was, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, and I don't know this to be true or not, I think that was his idea. 
Yeah, I, I mean, it, that was, it, that was Phoenix's a, idea. That was, that was so actually idea. very musical-ish. Yeah, <laughs> kind of. So I'll be curious know, to see who writes the music. Game. That will be another thing. Yeah, who's going to yeah. write the music for this? Because if you get a no-name composer and songwriter and in the song's crap. I mean, obviously, I think, honestly... I well, think I mean, Gaga you have Lady have Gaga. Yeah, I was going to say. She's sure. She's already won an Oscar. So, I mean, you know, the fact is yeah. she's got the credentials yeah, she now. Really so I'm curious to see so. how she goes. Yeah, I'm kind so. of in just because it's going to be it's different. It's bizarre. Yeah. And, and I, it is bizarre. But yeah. we can embrace bizarre. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Like, it, it, if it, to your point, if it's good, right? If the story's like, good. You're not going to give it... like. Like three years from now, maybe the three of us could get back together. You, we could have this show as our time capsule. Yeah. And say, yeah. wow, yeah, that movie was great. It was or it was yeah. a failed experiment. Yeah. yeah. It was actually brilliant so, or a failed experiment. Yeah. So, but I, yeah. I like the fact that they're taking risk. a risk. Yeah. Because yeah, that is not being done enough it in isn't. Hollywood today. You're and, right. and that's, oh, no, it's not. It's not done anymore. It's not. It, it, it really isn't. And, yeah. And that's so, why I like movies like Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yeah. And that's because one, from what I understand it's, it's movie of the year. Or one of the great yeah, movies. Yeah, I mean of the it's, year. it's 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 one of my favorites, that and Top Gun. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, that and Top Gun are yeah. my favorite like you know, some so, of my favorite movies of the year. Speaking of a producer of, yes. of the Joker. And I couldn't when I first read this, I couldn't believe it. But this came out of variety and it was basically a big name director. Now I like Bradley Cooper. I think he's had a hell of mm-hmm. a run. I, I hope he can. I hope he gets his Oscar someday. Well, we'll see. But so a big name producer allegedly basically told him to go f himself. And uh, so he was on a podcast. And Did was, they say who this person yeah, who was? was no, he said. It's, so he said a famous director once mocked him for having seven career Oscar nominations. Now that's including. Um, producer credits for um, The Joker and Nightmare Alley. So, mm-hmm. and it occurred after the party of A Star is Born, this, like three or four years ago, and he met with him and he made a joke out of it. And so, um, Cooper met with a famous director who made a joke out of Cooper's seven Oscar nominations. Cooper was joined by a friend at the party, a famous actress who had three, and the director told mm-hmm. Cooper, quote, what world are we living in where you have seven nominations and she's only got three? And so basically he went and said, you know, I mean, he basically stood up for himself and, and stood up for her and everything else. But it's it, interesting. Are, are, are I, directors that really narcissistic or is it just? Yes. Yes. Yes, 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 they are. <laughs> it's a pretty I'm good point. Like, the, no, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I, no, I, I mean, the, okay. So there, there's a well, there's a great story. Um, there's a great story about the movie The Accountant, and I know this. Because I love still doing... the movie account, The Accountant. So, yeah. truth be told, and I've said this before, and I don't yeah. know if she knows, but I'll tell our listeners again. I have Asperger's. Yeah, no. And okay. so when I saw this movie, and of course I have you know, first-hand knowledge of it, and I went, I want to see if Ben Affleck can pull this off. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I saw it, I went, 
Okay. You did a pretty good job. And I was just blown away. And from what I understand, they're actually supposed to be making a sequel to this. We'll see if it gets made. Yeah, I heard that too. And, and I forget the director's name. Yeah, so. But, but yeah. there was a so great go on, story. Go on with your story about the No, there, there was a great story. We talked about this uh, when we did this movie uh, as, as our feature for Anatomy of a Movie. And we, we the three of us, it was uh, Phil's Vitek, this other woman, Marissa Serafini, myself. The director, just prior to start of filming, pulled Ben Affleck aside, who at the time, I mean, you know, he's had a couple of movies under his belt. Yeah. And he's done a good job directing movies, right? So this director pulled him aside and said, listen, I'm the director of this film. Like, I'm not looking for your advice. Oh, wow. Like, if, you know, you're an actor. So I'm like going... I was like, wow, that's a lot of, like, that, that takes a lot of, that takes a lot of chutzpah I was gonna say to, like, do, like, to an Academy Award yeah. winning, like, guy who's, who's, like, and again, I would rather be, like, like, we, the three of us were like, really, you're going to treat your lead actor who knows how to direct yeah. the movie, and instead of, like, like, this is a collaborative yeah. thing, I was, ama- I was amazed that Ben Affleck Gavin, stayed Gavin O'Connor. on board. Gavin O'Connor. Now, Gavin O'Connor, uh, he did a couple of. Uh, he did a movie called. Um, didn't he do? He so did a he, movie with Tom Hardy. He did Warrior. Um, he was a producer. Warrior. Warrior. Yep. Warrior. I didn't really care yep. for it. Oh man. It was fine. It was, okay. it was with Tom Hardy. Yeah, and... he was an MMA fighter, and I believe yeah. his brother was a teacher. And so, yes. yeah, I, something it was a had happened, and so him. he wanted his brother to get back in the MMA, yeah. and it was the tournament, and he ended up winning. He had to fight his brother, yeah, in, in the right. finals of the tournament. I yeah, don't care for mm-hmm. so, yeah, yeah, it's fine, but but like, it's just like, wow, well, it's like, wow, you're really putting him in his place, and it's like, I'm, I'm amazed like, that he continued that? to work yeah, with him. Like, what, why are people yeah, I don't, of collaboration? It's an ego thing. Here's what, what kills me about Ben Affleck, okay? He's one of the only guys that I know of off the top of my head, and I could be wrong, to win Best Picture and not be nominated for Best Picture. Because of Argo? It, it's because of Argo. Argo. Uh-huh. I don't yeah. understand that. Yeah. Like, how the hell did he win Best Picture and not get nominated he, for Best Director? Wasn't the Best Director? Yeah, like, it was uh, a uh, Life he, of Pi. I think. Yeah. 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 But yeah. it's like, mm-hmm. really? How? Do, it yeah. just, and because what people don't understand is the directors, they have all these guilds. The PGA, the director, the Producers Guild of America, the DGA, the Directors Guild of America. You have the SAG, which is the Screen Actors Guild, which all of the actors vote on all of their other performances. The actors vote on their performances. So when Best Actors announced, that's them. And it's all these different categories, but that blows my mind. That wins best yeah, of the year, and you don't vote the guy in for best director, and it had over ten yeah, nominations. He, yeah, he talked about that extensively he when he was on Howard Stern like a year or two years ago. Yeah. It was a really great interview. You know, I mean, he's in a he's in a there. There's a great movie on Amazon Prime. If you haven't watched it, I highly recommend The Tender Bar. Oh. He's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And I think George Clooney directed it. Yeah. So it's, I would highly recommend the tender bar. It's, he puts in, I think one of his best performances and I think it's one of Clooney's best movies. I think it's Clooney. Interesting. Yeah. Um, Well, I'm definitely going to listen to that. But it's really good. 
And I'm willing to bet that Clooney didn't go up to him and say, hey, Ben, I'm the director. I'm the director, Ben. I don't want yeah. any yeah. advice. You know what? Just shut your <laughs> I mean, mouth, I'm the director, Ben. Christopher Lloyd was in that, huh? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yes, he was. Really? Yeah. He, he, he could that, have been nominated for support, too. Interesting. And the kid was great. It's a yeah. good flick. It really is. I, I highly recommend it. I have a chance. Yeah. It, it'll no, touch your heartstrings. Nice. Yeah. Uh, but so we're yeah. going to move from last story of the day. We're actually going to move from yeah. the films to streaming. And as everybody okay. knows, for the past six months to a year, Netflix has been in a boatload of trouble and has had to face lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit. Well, anyways, they've had gone through two rounds of layoffs. Well, today was their third. This is their third. There's, mm-hmm. This will be the second round. 300 positions were cut. So layoffs yes. hit Netflix again, with the streamer letting go of roughly 300 staffers. Variety mm-hmm. learned. The cuts are now across multiple business functions in the company, with the bulk of the jobs being lost in the United States. Wow. These yep. new layoffs, which Variety first reported earlier, the week, earlier this week, will be coming hit just a few weeks before the streaming giant, which had a global workforce of 11,000 staffers, made the reduction of similar one May. At the time, they laid mm-hmm. off 150 employees and dozens of contractors and part-time workers. The streamers indicated more rounds of layoffs will be coming this year following that first group as the company tries to adjust for its heavily weakened stock price. Which, by the way, the 52-week... I looked at this up. The 52-week high of this of that stock was $600. It's now at 174 and change. Mm-hmm. Today, we're sadly... Letting go of 300 employees, a spokeswoman said. While we continue yep. to invest significantly in the business, we make these adjustments so our costs are growing in line with our slower revenue. We're so grateful for everything they've done, and we're going to help them support them through this close time. Um, where do you think this, this stream goes from here? I mean, obviously, this is the second or third round of... of, of uh, Layoffs, now they want to introduce an ad tier. Yeah. I don't What's think people happening? are going to be really I'm... jumping at this. The, those are the most popular. Believe it or not, those are. Crap. I mean, they have the one diamond in the rough. Yeah. Let's say The Irishman is a great movie. You know, you've got to bring three if you say so. Roma. But it's buried. Yeah, Roma wins Best Picture a couple years ago. But the fact is that. And, no, it didn't. It, it didn't. didn't. No, I it thought... didn't. They. Yeah. Doing anything? No, okay, Ro- wait, so did- Roma didn't win Best Picture. They 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 have not taken home a Best Picture oh, prize since. No. Okay, so wait, Mm-mm. Dimitri, what do you? Think? I, thought, I thought they did. What what was it? I know that director. Oh, it was nominated. Alfonso Cuarón. Yeah, it was Safe. nominated. It was their first. Okay, that's what it was. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So wait, wait, wait. I want to hear what okay, Dimitri thinks. I want to hear what he thinks about what the Netflix thing is. Well, you- you you either have the right person on the show today, or you have the not so right person on the show today. Okay, I, <laughs> I, I, I think I think it's the latter with this. I'm excited. Uh, um, but but look, nonetheless, I've where had do you Netflix, think Netflix goes. Well, they're not going away. I mean, no, not going I mean, away. But no, they're they're, they're not going away. I, I mean, I have a simple solution for them, but nobody will listen. Look, I, I've been a Netflix subscriber. <clears throat> Back when uh, they had flyers in my DVD player and, you know, they offered me three months free of like where they would ship you the DVDs. So I've been a Netflix subscriber for a lot of a lot of years. The whole streaming thing, 
um, happened. I get it. But my biggest problem, and I and I was mocked that Scott, if Scott were listening right now, he's rolling his eyes. But I think he's at the um, he's at the he's at the Thor premiere, so <laughs> he's not listening. But he well, would be we'll rolling his eyes. <laughs> he, he would be rolling his eyes because I have a major problem with. Well, I have a I have an issue with Netflix because when they, you know, I, first and foremost. I champion the movie-going experience, yeah. period. Yeah. I agree. Netflix and some of the studios, um, they've been trying to collapse these windows, the, 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 the window. Look, I've seen it go from over a year to 90 days to now it's the, the handshake is like 40, 45 days before a movie will go onto a, it's a streaming platform. Mm-hmm. But Netflix didn't... Netflix just wanted to... Uh, skip over the theatrical experience, yeah. all, like to, all, all in. They, 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 and Ted Sarandos and company came out saying we're going to be disruptors in the business, like we were disruptors to Blockbuster. We're going to disrupt the theatrical yeah. um, experience. We're gonna, we're gonna break that window. We're gonna just put the stuff on. We're giving people the option to stay at home, which is all well and good, but. You know, again, I just champion I my theories about how it lessens, uh, it cheapens the movies. Uh, there, there are very few Netflix movies that if you were to put them up on a big screen, would hold up. They would look like a TV movie. Yeah. Um. So, and when when um when we when we had the pandemic, Netflix was part of this. But when we had the pandemic. There were some studios that just said, "Buy theaters. Yeah. We're, go- we're, we're we're going straight to streaming. Screw you!" And theaters were kind of left holding yeah. a bag of popcorn, <laughs> going, "Hey, thanks for all yeah. the help. Thanks for all the support." Thanks, you know, but net right. And Netflix has always kind of been that way. They've wanted to disrupt the business. Where I've always maintained, I like the fact that we can get some new studios. Yeah. Like in the fold, because new studios mean new product. If they're an independent studio, we're not going to just be getting Marvel moody movies. We'll get a diversity yeah. of movies. We'll get different movies, right? Well, it means new jobs, but it also means like, and I always felt that, come on, Netflix, you have your own platform. Yeah. Even when Amazon came out, like Manchester by the sea, like they adhered to the theatrical yeah. window rules of the time. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was like, come on, Netflix. If you want to play the game, play the game, play the game. <laughs> like you'll be welcomed. Well, play the game. You'll be welcomed because the industry wants more content. Yes. They want people to go to the yeah. movies. So the pandemic cl- came Theaters were shut down. Of course, every streamer shot up because everybody was staying home. So there should be no surprise. Yeah. There also should be no surprise that they lost 200,000 customers, yeah. subscribers, because people are starting to go back out again. They've upped their prices again. There's so much content out there, whether it be Netflix, Disney+, Plus, Hulu, Amazon Prime, Paramount Plus, NBC Universal. I, I mean, 
Yeah, people, yeah, and and people were trying to cut the cord because they felt that their cable bill was so expensive, and now they're subscribing to everything under the sun. Yeah. Now, I always felt that I liked Netflix and streaming because I didn't get commercials. Yeah. That's why I love my HBO, yes. right? But that's me, and I thought, isn't that what TiVo was invented yeah. for? Was to record your shit and then, pardon me, and then just fast forward through the commercials, right? So now these these subscription tiers that offer ads, I go, wait a minute. So you're allowing Disney Plus or who? You're allowing them to double dip. Mm -hmm. Like, they're not only getting your monthly subscription. They're getting advertising dollars that you kind of didn't like advertising before, but now you're paying for it. You're paying to watch Uh, ads. So they (laughs) double dip and you say, Oh, but I'm only paying $8. Yeah. But you're watching ads. I don't get it. um, And Netflix isn't going to go anywhere. I feel bad for all the people that they lost. Um, You're right about marketing. They don't know how to market. They have so much content. So like going into their website, sometimes it gives me a headache. Yeah, it's too much. Like so, trying to find something. They're not going to go anywhere. Their solution, right? Now, look, they have Knives Out coming out, uh, oh, I think, this November. Yeah. yeah. And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but Ryan Johnson, uh, Ryan Johnson, the one who directed The Last yeah. Jedi, uh-huh. Ryan Johnson, yeah. mm-hmm. he signed a three-picture deal? Picture deal, yeah. So yeah, yeah. not only oh, wow. did he get the first Knives so. Out, He's getting the sequel, which is the one coming out in November you just spoke of. Yep. And he's got another one coming out. Yeah, no, and, and and here's the thing. They're paying they they more than doubled the budget. And that was a half of than the Lionsgate. Yeah, that was almost two hundred and fifty million dollars they gave him. Oh. Or it was quite yeah, they a bit of money. A, they gave him a ton of money. They now, gave him a bankload of money. If I were Netflix, I would start I would start like Re, reevaluating their distribution model, yeah. and I would say, "Hey, uh, and and it's actually the, the, I'm not I'm not new to the table on this, but I would take a movie like Knives Out, and I would say, you know what, guys? Okay, you were right. And sometimes it's hard. It's hard. Like these Ted Sarandoses of the world, they have really big egos and they don't want to admit that they lost. No, but it's true. Like every studio had, they don't want to admit that they lost. But I see no harm in Sarandos coming out and say, you know what, guys? We're going to do Knives Out exclusively in your theaters only. That would be amazing. We're going to do it for 45 days. And then after 45 days, we're putting it on our own platform. We're putting it on Netflix. That would be brilliant. So 45 days. Yeah. Well, and think about what 45 days would get them. We already know that Knives Out, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Knives Out was a hit. Great. The second one, I mean, I don't see that it's going to fail unless it's a miserable movie, right? right? But if they release it theatrically, yeah. 45 days gets them not only Thanksgiving, it drives them into Christmas. Yes. So it drives them into Christmas and New Year's, and they can play because that's what the original Knives yep. Out did. And then in 45 days, so at the beginning of the new year, Netflix will have Knives Out 2 
on Netflix. You heard it here first. And all you gotta do, they will. And all you gotta do is take. And I know it's Marvel and everything else. Put that aside for a minute. But all you gotta do is take a look at the success of Spider-Man: No Way Home. That movie came mm-hmm. out. The that movie came out in the middle of December. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now it opened to the third highest of all time. Yes, it was Marvel. We mm-hmm. all know that. Yes, it was some other things. But if you want to go back and actually listen to my 2022 mid-year report, I talk about mm-hmm. every single movie that led every single month. That movie, sure. Spider-Man No Way Home, made $153 million in January by itself. By itself. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah and, but, and, and that was like, but now... There are reports coming out that people, um, NRG just did a report that said that more and more people, I think it was 83%, are feeling more comfortable going back to movie theaters, and that right? is which movie. is a good yeah. thing. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, all you got to do is take a look at last week. Because last right. week, you know, mm-hmm. so you got, so this is the first, and we spoke about this a couple weeks ago. This is the first time with four movies that is going to be out right. in theaters. You've got, regardless of right. how they perform, Jurassic World Dominion. You've yeah. got Top Gun, which, by the way, made forty-four mm-hmm. million dollars last weekend. It's going to cross a mm-hmm. million dollars this week. Yeah. You've got, yeah, as it should. You know, you're correct, as it should. You've got um, the Black Bone, which is coming out. I I loved it. I mean, there there was some Me things that I probably have to go back and watch it again to get fine tuned on. And then, you know, you've got another movie coming out, you know, and it, Elvis, you've got Elvis in the theater. Well, this so week, is going to be the first time in a yeah. couple of years that you've had four movies competing this, for his business. Yeah, and this week alone, we have we have three movies, basically. We got Elvis, Black Phone, um, the, uh, the, the Shell with the, with the shoe on, but we still have Jurassic World, we still have um, Lightyear, we still yeah, have Lightyear. Top I forgot about Gun. Lightyear. I knew it was another movie. So, so this... there are a lot of movies. We have a lot of variety. Yeah. Yes. No, no, no. A lot please. Of variety. No, I just had to say, I'm, and... I'm so sorry. Wait, wait, David. We can cut this out too. Is like yeah. we went over like 30 minutes, and I do have to go. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, I know. So you can, oh, okay. So we can no, cut that's me fine. Out. If you want to go. Yeah. 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 yeah no problem. No, no, no. Yeah, okay. No problem. This has been so lovely, and I didn't want to like. But I, 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 no, no, that's fine. I, I'm sorry. You, you should have texted me or something. Maybe it was off. And, I, I, I probably no, no, that, that's okay. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I probably no, that's took okay. A... I'll, I'll text you later. We could, we could like, we, we would love to have you back. Like, I love talking. This. Oh no, well, we're going to have so... you back. We'll talk about that at a later yeah, date. No, but thank you so much. Yeah. Take care of me. Of course. And I'm excited. I do want to join the Friday thing on Twitter Spaces. So I'll. I will try to look for you. Twitter spaces, follow either me or Hollywood Critics Association. Yeah. Um, it'll pop up in spaces and please say hi. Oh, I, want to, for sure. um, I think it's you a really good I show. Like, um, yeah. I, I like this dynamic though, yeah. to no, be me honest. Yeah. I mean, because, um, but, but it's, it's way more of an interactive sure. kind of a, a of a well, show. I did, I did so I don't know while, what we're going to so talk about. It's like the same thing, right? Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thank of... you guys. All right. All right. Hey, it was a pleasure to meet you. Yeah, Thank you for you your kindness. <laughs> All right. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. But no, yeah. So it's one of those things where, um, you know, yeah, it's really like that. So you said it so perfectly. Like um, 
there is variety. And that is the biggest sure. thing that I think that's been missing for the last three or four years. And right. I would almost suggest to you that Netflix focuses all of their attention and energy on their shows, like The Queen's Gambit, like The Crown, like all Well, they have ones. some good shows. And they've got some I would great argue shows. I would say I would argue that their shows are better than most of their movies. Yes. Yes. But now they have Knives Out 2. And Knives Out 2 in the industry like if it were Lionsgate that's kind of a hammer. Only because you know what the first Knives Out did. And again, unless the movie just sucks, I see no reason why because here's the thing, we don't know. Like we never know how much Netflix makes by spending $200 million on a movie. But when you open a movie theatrically and it gets reported on weekly, you kind of know like where that movie is and how it's doing and whether or not it's recouping its money, this, that, and the other thing. And I think that a Knives Out 2, I think people would go out to the movies and see it. I think that Netflix for the first time would actually benefit from a box office gross and they would get that money's coming in while they're getting their subscription monies. And then at the beginning of the year, they're going to get knives out too on their platform and people will either watch it again, or if they were too busy over the holidays to see it, they'll watch it then. And there will still be some theaters that will play knives out too because it could be doing like more business and theaters don't want, you know, they, they, they want money too. So if they just play the game, that's all they have to do. The industry will open, will open their arms and say, come on, Netflix, we want you because you're a content provider for us. You have a platform. We get it. We get it. But come on. Release your stuff theatrically. We will promote the hell out of it. We'll promote it. It'll make money theatrically. And then it's going to be on your platform in 45 days. We're only asking 45 days. P come on, man. Just, just play. Like you want to be a distributor. You want to be a big fish. Uh, here's your chance. And I think Knives Out 2 would be the perfect movie for them to do that with and they would show the world they would show the exhibition distribution they would show exhibitors it's like okay we want to contribute to this movie going experience you know all the while well, they're gonna make money so, yeah and, but, and the thing is that who knows you know it, it's it's got a huge cast too i mean it i'm just like it's got a i mean ethan hawk which i mean we we haven't really I'd love to get you back to talk about the black phone sometime, but it's got, you know, Edward Norton, decent, decent actor. It, it, I mean, Gabe Batista, yeah. Kate Hudson, you know, I, the list goes on and on and on. And it's like, it okay. Has, so, yeah. And Kate Hudson's big right now because she's on some streaming show. I mean, they're all, they're all actors that audiences like and, it could be just like the first Knives Out, right? And I see no reason why if Netflix really wants to recoup and say, hey, let's like let's stop the bleeding. And I and you know what else would happen? All right, like let's just say um let's 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 just for the sake of conversation, let's say two things. Let's say Knives Out happens to be a really good movie. A movie as good as the original. 
right? Let's say that. And let's say, let's say they do in fact decide to release it uh, exclusively in theaters for 45 days. You know what's going to happen if it's a really good movie and people start coming out and they're getting good box office? Guess what else is going to go up? Their stock price. And easy peasy. And yeah. I would almost suggest to you that other streaming services would say, okay, they look, they've just released a huge movie and it worked. Let's hop on board with this model because I think yeah, they can actually I mean, do it. Amazon Prime, Amazon tried, um, but it was hard. But yeah, I, I think somebody like Amazon would go, you know what? Now that Netflix is doing this, like we could start doing this again with our own movies because we have our own platform to do it. So don't diss the movie going experience. You can't diss Top Gun. You can't like people are saying, oh, Lightyear only did 52 million. It's 52 only. million dollars. And yeah, you I know, know. Only. And, that's and, like. So what I said last week you, was, what I said last would, week was that yeah. basically, like, if you take, because I don't think anybody thought Top Gun was going to do 44. I really no. don't. So if you take no. 10 or 12 million of that away from that and give it to Lightyear, it's at 63, 65, and that's still at the bottom of their range. So when you yeah, make, no, and that makes that much money, you go, well, you got to take it away from somebody. And that was losing. I guess, but but you can't monetize it if they went to Disney Plus only. No, right? Like, how do you know how much money it made, right? Well, and look, look at what they did with Black Widow. About it. Look at what they did with yeah. Black Widow. Yeah. And, yeah. and they, I mean, I think that was ridiculous how much they wanted to charge at 30 bucks a head. But then when Black Widow was released, and that's what drove that whole Scarlett mm -hmm. Johansson thing, okay, was the mm -hmm. fact that she wanted... It is exclusively in theaters. And by the way... Well, that's it, what the contract read. Yeah, and that was what yeah. the contract said. And yeah. subsequently, it made a boatload of money in the theater. And it, from, it was right mm -hmm. around 80 or $90 million. Or that's what Disney mm -hmm. claims. It did all and right. that would have it made $150 okay. million yeah. in the theater. So yeah, it did you know, okay. And so, again... Now that people are starting to go back, um, you know, there was another article that said that streaming um, has kind of taken a hit, um, like all of them across the board. Uh, there's something called churn, um, which means, you know, people sign up for a streamer uh, just to make it simple. Uh, people will, will sign on to Netflix to watch Stranger Things. They'll watch Stranger Things, and once Stranger Things is done, they don't care anymore, so they quit. So, And then they'll go on to get Disney Plus to watch Kenobi. They'll watch all of Kenobi, and then they'll quit. And, that's and what, then they go on to, but, you know... But to so your that, point, though, but to your point, when WandaVision first came out, not many people right. were like, eh, okay, fine. Because they did right. weekly droppings of that show, Within mm -hmm. that third or fourth week, that was the number one show in the world. Well, well, maybe again, not the world, but it climbed. But I only say this: How do you know? No, yeah, I mean because they don't release data. Like right. that's my other biggest problem with streaming is like you always get this information from Netflix, 
No, yeah, yeah, well, this movie well, was that's like a it was number one. Well, that's like right. a forger for you know authenticating his own arc. His own arc. Of course, right. he's yeah. gonna. Of course, it's a real Baudet. You know, of course, of he's the one who it. So. Yeah, hell, right? it's like yeah, ah! we had the number one sc- streaming movie on Friday from two p.m. to two fifteen p.m. We we were the number one movie, so I, I just think you're held more accountable when you release a movie theatrically, and which is a good thing for everybody because look, we there, there are some misses, but that's going to happen. That's always happened in the industry, always. But when you have a hit, you get to thump your chest. And with a Knives Out 2, you kind of have a little bit of a hammer, and you can release that movie theatrically. People will go. It'll give them variety. They already tend to... They've already proven that they like this character and Daniel Craig and mysteries are are good. I just think that they should try it. Um, The industry would, 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 would welcome them with open arms and say, okay, Netflix, we're not gonna make fun of you. Um, you know, for being disruptors before, come on in, come on in the water. It's great. And, and then from there they can continue to, to pay for movies and make movies, release them theatrically. They have their own platform. That's that, that thing to me is, you know, I don't know how many Netflix movies are on Blu-ray or whatever, but they have their own platform where it just stays up in perpetuity. So, I don't know. To me, it's a win-win. Yeah. And, and you get people going to the movies. And Netflix, you know, Netflix seems to forget that the only people, the only reason why DVDs are really, uh, one reason why DVDs are really popular is because a lot of the times they had the best marketing tool ever. And what was that? The theatrical business that a movie did. So if a movie did really great theatrically, it meant your DVD sales were going to go up. There were the sales and the rentals, you know, and then there were the companies that made them straight for DVD, which is fine. But Netflix could play this game. They could kind of play by the rules. Nobody would nobody would fault them for it. Nobody would say, oh, Ted Sarandos, Ted Sarandos would come out like, oh, Ted Sarandos is the smartest guy on the planet. Again, and their stock price would go up and everybody would be happy. And maybe they could rehire some of those people back. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. So it's it's one of the, and it's about repeat business, which you were just talking about, because you're not only seeing it in the theaters, but guess what? You're you're seeing it on Netflix too. Because you're gonna keep right. you're gonna keep your subscription so I can watch that movie that I like. So Exactly. And so, you know, with an ad tier, it, it's just but you know, it's it comes down to one thing in the bottom, and that's the bottom line. It's all about at the end of the day, and you know this as well as I do, is how much and you and you've dealt with analytics your whole life. You've dealt with trailers mm-hmm. your whole life. You've mm-hmm. dealt with focus groups mm-hmm. your whole life. You know what mm-hmm. pops and what doesn't and how it works and everything else. So the fact is, you can tell studios, listen, guys, here's what you need to do. And when they come out with a trailer, I mean, Marvel is – one thing I'll say about Marvel trailers is this. The last 15 seconds of any, for the most part, any Marvel trailer will either make mm-hmm. you laugh or it's an oh my god mm-hmm. moment. You know, all you gotta do is mm-hmm. move back to Civil War. When he when mm-hmm. Spider-Man flips over the thing, they're like, hey guys, the next day to Water Cooler, they were talking mm-hmm. about they're gonna get all twelve people together. We're talking about Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, and, and that's the thing. And so that being said, 
they I mean they've got a whole philosophy in how that works, but it's all about the bottom line. And so oh, always. It always you know, has been. I mean there It always it, has been. There are gonna be good movies out there. And I mean and that's the moral of the story, right? We love movies, she loves movies too. Mm-hmm. There are always yeah. gonna be good movies and there are always gonna be bad movies. But to your point, there's always going to be a good steak. There's always going to be exactly. a bad steak. Exactly, and, and to your point, <laughs> so. and to your point, I can't remember. I mean, I went to see Avengers Endgame three times in the theater, and every, <laughs> with, with 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 three different audiences, and every oh. single time that the, that you know when he picks that place just popped. And sure. That, you know, and, but you lose that. That's what I'm getting. You if do. You're sitting in your living room. With a bag of popcorn and a soda, you don't get that scene. It's like the screen actor bringing it back to IMAX. You get the biggest surround sound no. system. It's not the same thing. It's nope. not. It never. Nope. It's not. And I'm not Steven Spielberg where I have a movie theater in my house. So it's not the same experience. But And that goes for whether it's a Marvel movie, whether it's a comedy, comedies in theater. Um to hear everybody laughing. In the echo of the theater. It feels yeah. good. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. A horror movie to yeah. watch everybody jump at the same time or yeah. scream at the same time. Yeah. That happened when I saw Black Phone. I mean, the the movie going experience to me, it's still the most affordable than any other types of uh, your entertainment. It, it's cheaper than going to a baseball game. It's cheaper than going to Broadway or to the Pantages Theater out here. Um, I know people talk about the rising cost, but it's still a cheaper form of entertainment. Um, you just don't get that thrill, that rush, and it's two hours or so where you just sit down, you have a thing of popcorn. Yes, every now and then you can get burned. I get it, but you can get burned with a bad meal that you're paying money for too, uh, or you know, almost anything that you do. Mm. So nothing replaces the movie going experience when you see it up on the big screen and you hear the sights and the sounds and the crowd is into it. Sometimes that sometimes a mediocre movie is made better by the crowd that you're seeing the movie with. So, and that happens every now and then, you know, so there's just nothing like you can't replicate that at home. And I have a good home theater system. Um, and I like to watch my movies on it, but I've nine out of ten times I've already seen it at the theater. Yeah. So and that's why and, I love. And that's, it. Yeah. And I'll, I'll agree with you because the simple fact is like, if I go see a movie, well, two things. Number one, with with these clubs or these AMC cards or these Regal things, you sure, can, the if subscription. You, you if you actually go and see a good movie, and you want to go back and see it again, you can, mm-hmm. and yep. you can again. And still get that same mm-hmm. experience, and still get that same pop. And and the thing is too, it's cheap. I mean, twenty four bucks. I mean, I know it's twenty four bucks, but you can go see anything you want. Yep. And it's like I've gone to movies that are crap, but guess what? I'm not pissed because I really pay for it. Or if I did, yeah, it no, a I, I, thing, you know. <laughs> You know, and, and, and I'll leave with, with one one thing to think about is when you, when you talk about a cost-benefit analysis, mm-hmm. right? Whether you go to buy that shirt you're wearing or a pair of jeans or, or a car, right? So you know basically 
um, the cost for a pair of Levi's, right? Mm -hmm. So, so Levi's will probably sell it for $70, which means they probably paid 25, maybe $30 for it. But you kind of know, you know, the craftsmanship that went into it. It's the same with the car, right? If a car costs 25,000, it probably costs the dealership, uh, 15, 17, 18, depending on how many of the, oh, whatever. But you, you, you know, kind of going in, you had so many people working on your car that you're driving. Um, so you know that, right? A movie, the movie industry doesn't work that way. So you can go to a movie that costs $200 million to make, right? And it's only costing you 20 to go see it. Mm -hmm. You're not paying that compensatory thing. Could you imagine... Like, like if a movie cost 150 million, if they were going to charge you to scale to go see a, some, a product, if a car cost 150 million dollars to make, how much do you think they'd be selling it for? Twice that much. If your three jeans, times that much? Right. If your jeans cost five thousand dollars to make, how much are they paying for it? Yeah. And I if think you're this going is, to. And I think this is right, where people ahead. don't really understand the business side of it i think most people that go to a movie theater and i'm not saying most people that go to a, a movie theater they only care about what's in front of the screen but they're not sure. caring about how much it costs to make because let's face it you're having to deal with marketing you're having to right. deal with insurance maybe all these other sell, sure. all these other things but right simple and and here's the other big thing and i wrote an art whole article on this okay People, when The Force Awakens came out in 2015, well, mm -hmm. that movie made gazillions of dollars and, you know, mm -hmm. 200 or whatever made opening weekend. There was mm -hmm. a contract by Disney that said, listen, you have to, A, we were going to take 64% of every single ticket sold. Oh, no, that's, that, that, that's common practice. No, you're, well, you're, you're, you're talking okay. about the rental fees. Okay. Yeah, then, you're talking about rental fees. Yeah, yeah, so what ends up happening is these movie theaters are, I won't say struggling, but they're having to do all these things just to, while they're showing the film, they have to keep the lights on. They've got to do all this stuff. And, you know, so it's, but yeah. Yeah, the first three weeks of a movie, especially if it's Disney, they're paying, they could be paying a 90-10 split. Yeah, so I mean. split. Ninety percent goes to the studio. Yeah, so ten percent goes to the theater, and that could be um, for three to four weeks. So, Force Awakens was sixty-four. Last Jedi was sixty-six, and Rise of Skywalker was sixty-eight. And that's what it was. I think that's actually kind of low. And it may, that's what I that's what I read it way back. I mean, I could be one hundred percent wrong, but but yeah. Like, yeah, you could be 100 percent. So right. I mean, the fact is, but if you're taking two thirds of every ticket, and I'm getting, yeah. you know, the sixteen dollars, and you're taking two thirds of that, and I'm left with four dollars, and I've got to run. Thing. That's why well, and, these and theaters, it was that, that contract to usually. You know? those, that, those figures are usually for three to four weeks yeah. before it starts to go down. Yeah. So and, again, so you're not paying for like. Yeah, you're paying 20 bucks for a movie that might cost 200 million dollars to make, but then you have a movie like 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 The Black Phone which couldn't have cost more than 10 million dollars. I'd be surprised if it was eight, 
It was 18.8. 18.8 million dollars. It's 18.8 million and, you know, they'll do some good business and that's Oh, absolutely. What Blumhouse does best. So. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyways, now we I've taken up 2 hours of your time. This has been an absolute good. treat. <laughs> and I know she well, was just you. over the moon and everything else. Um, yeah, I I can't thank you enough. This, this has been an absolute blast and a half. Um, I want you well, to come you. back as soon sure. as you can, and you know, uh, say, you're welcome here. Just anytime. let me know. Yeah, and, well, you just let me know, and yeah, uh, I will make the time. Yeah, it, it was a pleasure. And, and this thank was, you. Yeah, no, so um, yeah, I, this is so. Let let me just tell the listeners here what's coming up real quick. So. This week, so tell um, we have the black phone, which we were just discussing. I'm going to put out between this weekend at some point. I'm going to be doing a spoiler cast of Eldis, and I'm going to be doing a spoiler cast of the black phone. Go see them first before you go listen, and then come back and listen to me, and then we'll do that on tomorrow. We got Flashback Fridays, uh, Captain America, Winter Soldier. Is going to be dropping. We have every, and then we're going to be going through every single Marvel movie in chronological order. Um, we got that one, and then we got Guardians coming up the week after that. We got Civil War. We got Doctor Strange. We got a ton of stuff in Phase Two. Uh, next week, we're going to be doing horror movies. I thought the Black Phone was coming out last week. It's coming out t- this week, but we're still going to be doing horror movies. Um, that's yep. going to be fabulous. And then, beginning of July, we got, of course, another huge... So, before I... I'll ask you that question in a minute. So, you know, it's one of those things where we got, beginning of July, we got Thor, Love, and Thunder. This looks like it's going to yep. be Chris Helmworth's last movie. Natalie Portman is taking over the uh, the reins there. And then... That's what they're saying. Yep. And then, at the end of uh, July, first week of August, we got Bullet Train with Brad Pitt, who, by the way, yeah. was actually hinting. I was reading this morning. I don't know how accurate this it was. Possibly hinting at retirement. But anyway, that's all. Um, he said that he's on the. He, he's on the fence I, about I read it. the same article. No, he he said that he's like on the twilight of his so career. Academy Award winner. You know, I mean, made some great movies. So, but we got board mm-hmm. training coming up, and then you know yep. we got a great bunch of uh, movies coming out this you fall. You forgot? Nope. I forgot. Yes, the, of course, yeah. the Jordan Peele. Nope. Yep. This is going to be a third That's movie. coming out. Is yep. 70 or $80 million. I've got to see Get Out us before the end of the month of July. Uh-huh. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's going to be star-studded. And then, of course, later on this year, we have Oppenheimer. We have, right. which, you know, the big David O. Russell movie. We've got, the con. I think, the one everybody's looking forward to. And I just saw promotional material the other night for it. Wakanda mm-hmm. Forever. That's going to be fascinating yeah, yeah. to see You're where they that. take this and how that goes. I think you're going to see a possibly, don't quote me on this, I think you might see a Wakanda Forever trailer at the end of Thor. Don't quote me, just a thought. Plant a seed. Could be. It, it could be at so the end, yeah. You might even see the Big Bad or you know something to that extent now that we're four or five movies in to the phase. Because yeah. if you go back and look at phase one, when do we see Thanos? Fifth movie in the Avengers. Right. So, you know, so that whole thing is it. And we got a ton of stuff. I am actually trying to put together 
and I don't know if I'm going to have time to do this in Mob Mondays. I want to sit down and, and talk all about mob movies. The Godfather. Okay. <laughs> the Godfather 2. If you actually want to go back and listen to one of my first podcasts, The Godfather Turns 50. That was a great podcast. Uh-huh. Um, Casino. The Departed. Uh, Main Streets. You know, all these mob movies throughout the years. And yeah. so, yeah. We've got a ton of stuff. Mob Monday. I the, like um, Sounds the great. Patreon. Um, Patreon. All you got to do is go to patreon.com, search Real Talks. We got four really affordable levels. Three dollars gets general support. It's a cup of coffee. Think about it. It's a cup of coffee at Starbucks, and you'll get a shout out for every it's single. Actually, less. Yeah, a little less than that. It's actually and you, less you know, than a cup of coffee. It's you know, uh, close to it though. Eight dollars will get you not only a shout out, but you know, a little poem by Lisa. 15, huh. Yeah, she's very good at doing haikus. $15 gets you a mug, a t-shirt, a shout-out, and our biggest level is $20, and that's a one-on-one with us for an hour, and you get all the above, and we need nice. your support. So, absolutely. Nice. Um, but wait a minute, how come you charged me 40 Yeah, you know, I, I have to make a profit. <laughs> I have to make a profit somewhere, don't no. Yeah, he slipped me a 20 year, which we didn't talk about. So, but yeah, it's, you know, um, absolute blast. Um, yeah, it has been. Yeah, thank so you very thank much you for having so me on. And, and, on. And let me know. Uh, yeah, just let me know. And uh, sure. Yeah, uh, so I would, I would happily do this again and again. And um, so, you know, I'll send you the schedule. You pick up yeah. gates that, you know, you guys Fair want. Enough. And by the way, don't just sure. you're more than welcome to bring any of your uh, co-hosts on, you know. Absolutely. So I mean, you know, we would love to get. In in all honesty, one one thing uh-huh. you should do: bring as many as you can on. Do it okay. all video, and I think that would be a blast. I'll let you guys play the game. I'll let you guys. I'll introduce myself, and I'll let you guys do it on video, and you can throw it on well, YouTube. Yeah. Well, that would be fantastic. I mean, we have we do uh, uh, trending in Hollywood on Spaces, so we'll be there tomorrow morning. Um, not quite sure what we'll talk about yet. Um, again, I, 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 I it was a busy movie week for me. I had a friend who uh, my friend Phil, who I podcasted with on Anatomy of a Movie. Uh, he had a movie in a film festival, the Marina oh, wow. Del Rey Film Festival. Uh, his movie was called A Trip to Bogota. So I had I saw that I saw Black Phone. Um, I wanted to see Marcel and the and the and the, the with the shoe and and I I'll probably probably see Elvis this weekend. So yeah, yeah. It's just it's been kind of a busy week, but this yeah. this was a highlight for sure. I appreciate you. Yeah, absolutely. You too, and thank you very much yeah. for having me on. Uh, I hope to be back on again. And I hope uh, people didn't fall asleep. No, absolutely not. I think it was great banter. So for David Steele and Dimitri, this has been Real Talks. Thank you. All right. 